Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. You may wonder, well, what part of us goes home to be with the Lord? No, it's certainly not our physical body. Aren't you glad we don't drag this body we have with us into all eternity? It's not this body. It gets buried, gets cremated. Something happens to it. What part of us goes into heaven? Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. What happens to people the moment after they die? Are they immediately transported into heaven or hell? Do they simply cease to exist? Or do they go into a period of spiritual slumber, waiting for a day of future judgment? Today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress explains what happens to Christians immediately after death. Now here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress? Thanks, David, and welcome again to Pathway to Victory. Our subject throughout September is a place called heaven. If you've been part of our listening family for a long time, it's possible you already have a copy of my original best-selling book on this popular topic. But I've also written a brand new one that I'm certain you don't have yet, but should. My new book is actually a gift book called Encouragement from a Place Called Heaven. You see, I'm completely convinced that when you immerse your heart and mind in your future home in heaven, all of a sudden the problems in your life begin to dissipate. Now, let's be clear, the problems don't magically disappear, but your anxiety does. This new gift book is the perfect choice for a friend or a family member who's going through a difficult season right now. So, when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory, I'll make sure a copy of my book is sent to your home. Again, it's the new book called Encouragement from a Place Called Heaven. Plus, as an added bonus, I'll make sure you also receive the helpful brochure called What Seven World Religions Teach About Heaven. This is a clear and easy-to-understand resource that contrasts seven major world religions and how they differ from the Bible on their views of heaven. Now, I'll say more about my book and other resources later, but right now it's time to turn our attention to the next question in our series. I've titled today's message with a question, Do Christians Immediately Go to Heaven When They Die? A Minnesota couple decided they want to escape the harsh winter weather and take a one-week vacation to Florida. At the last minute, the wife had to stay back an extra day, so her husband went on ahead of her to get things ready. Once he had checked into the hotel at Key West, he decided to sit down and fire off a brief email to his wife telling her that he had arrived safely. He didn't notice that he had accidentally transposed two letters in his wife's email address. Meanwhile, in Chicago, a woman returned home, a minister's wife, after burying her husband of 45 years. She felt kind of alone after the funeral service, lonely, and she decided to sit down and check her emails to see if there were any words of condolences. The first email that popped up, she read immediately. She let out a scream and fainted. Her daughter rushed in to see what was going on. And after the daughter revived her mom, the daughter read the email that caused her mom to faint. And here's what it said. Darling wife, 
I'm sure you're surprised to hear from me. I've just arrived and checked in, and I wanted to send you a quick note saying I can't wait for you to get here. The staff has everything ready for you. I'm looking forward to seeing you tomorrow. And if everything goes as planned, you should get here as quickly as I did. P.S. It sure is hot down here. I know you're going to love it. Theologian Reinhold Niebuhr said one time, it's unwise for Christians to claim a knowledge of either the furniture of heaven or the temperature of hell. And while it's true there are certain things about heaven and hell, we can't know for sure there's one thing that is crystal clear. And that is, we are all going to die one day. And because of that, we are going to one of two of those destinations, heaven or hell. In his book, Heaven, Randy Alcorn observes that worldwide, three people die every second, 180 die every minute, and 11,000 every hour. If the Bible is right about what happens to us after death, it means more than 250,000 people every day go either to heaven or to hell. That blows our minds, doesn't it? So many people dying every day. Why is it that none of us gets out of this world alive? Why is it that death is inevitable for every one of us? In Ecclesiastes 9 verses 2 and 3, Solomon says, It is the same for all. There is one fate for the righteous and for the wicked, for the good, for the clean, and for the unclean, for the man who offers a sacrifice, and for the one who does not sacrifice. That is, it doesn't matter whether you're good, bad, righteous, unrighteous, a believer or an unbeliever, there's one fate for everybody, that is death. We're all going to die. There's one fate, but there are two different destinies, heaven or hell. Well, why is it both Christians and non-Christians have to die? Well, we've talked about it before. It's because of the virus of sin we've all inherited. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. And you know, not only is there an inevitability of death because of sin, but death brings its own kind of terror to all of us. Job called death the king of terrors. In Job 18 verse 14, he is torn from the security of his tent and they march him before the king of terrors. The psalmist said, my heart is in anguish within me and the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Death is the nightmare of all nightmares for those who die without faith in Jesus Christ. The actor Jack Nicholson a few years ago was in a movie with Morgan Freeman called The Bucket List. Many of you might have seen that movie. It was about two men who had terminal cancer and they decided that they would do everything on their list of things they wanted to do before they kicked the bucket. But Jack Nicholson in an interview said that the making of that movie was transformational in his own life and his own thinking. In an interview, Nicholson said, I used to live so freely. The mantra for my generation was, be your own man. I always said, hey, you can have whatever rules you want. I'm going to have mine. I'll accept the guilt. I'll pay the check. I'll do the time. 
I chose my own way. That was my philosophical position well into my 50s. As I've gotten older, I've had to adjust. We all want to go on forever, don't we? We fear the unknown. Everybody goes to that wall, yet nobody knows what's on the other side. That's why we fear death. It's understandable for unbelievers to fear death. But if we're honest, for many who are Christians, there's also a fear of death because of an unknown. What is it that awaits us on the other side? What happens to a Christian when he dies? Well, that's what we're going to talk about this morning as we continue our series, A Place Called Heaven. We're going to talk about what happens to Christians when they die. Do they cease to exist? Do they go to sleep for a thousand years awaiting some future resurrection? Do they go into a waiting place, a purgatory, hoping somebody will pray hard enough or give enough money to get them out of that place? What happens to a Christian when they die? That's what we're going to look at today. One of my mentors in seminary used to admonish us to make heaven the centrality of our preaching. And he I said, I can hear him say it. It was decades ago, but he would say, men, remember, we are not in the land of the living headed to the land of the dying. Instead, we are in the land of the dying on our way to the land of the living. And that's true for a Christian. Death is not the end. It's not the terminus. It is just the beginning of our eternal reunion with God. That is what awaits Christians. Well, when does that happen? To understand what happens to a Christian when he or she dies, it is important that we distinguish between what I call the present heaven and the future heaven. We've talked about this before. The fact that when we talk about the present heaven, the third heaven, that is where God is right now. And that is where we go the moment we die. We go into the presence of God. But that is not our eternal dwelling place. There is a present heaven where God is. But in John 14, Jesus said he is in that present heaven preparing a new place for us. I go to prepare a place for you. Heaven where God is is already prepared. But Jesus is working on a new location for us. There is a future heaven that one day will come out of the present heaven and descend to the newly recreated earth. Isn't that what John said in Revelation 21? I saw a new heaven and a new earth descending. The new Jerusalem that Jesus is working on is going to descend out of the current heaven and reside right here on this recreated earth. That is our ultimate destination as believers. But the moment we die, there is an immediate departure from this world into the presence of God. How do I know that? Look at what the scripture says about the immediacy of our entrance into God's presence. There's no soul sleep. There's no waiting station. A Christian goes immediately into the presence of God. For example, in Luke 23, verse 43, Jesus said to the thief on the cross who had just exercised faith, he said what? Today, you will be with me in paradise. Not tomorrow, not a thousand years. Today, you will be with me in paradise. In Acts 7, 59, the Bible says they went on stoning Stephen as he called upon the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. In Philippians 1, 23, Paul said, 
But I, Paul, am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is much better. To depart this world is to be with Christ. That Greek word, depart, is the word analuo. It means to loosen. Specifically, it's a word in classical Greek that is used to refer to the untying of a ship from its mooring so that it can set sail. And that's the word Paul uses here to describe what happens to us. The moment we die, we are loosened from being tethered to this world and this body, and we sail on immediately to be in the presence of God. But the most seminal passage in all of the Bible that describes what happens to Christians when they die is found in the passage I want you to turn to, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning with verse 6. We read this just a few moments ago in our service. You know, I have uh, used this passage at hundreds upon hundreds of funeral services. But in all the times I've read that passage, there's something I had never seen until this week when I was preparing the message, and I think it will be encouraging to you. Verse 6, Paul has just said in verse 1 that if this earthly house, which is our body, our tent is torn down, we have a building, a body from God, not temporal, but eternal. Paul says this body is nothing more than a temporary dwelling place. It's like a tent. Who wants to live in a tent for all eternity? It is just a tent that will be folded up and put away one day. Now, having said that, look at what he says in verse 6. Therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in the body, he's saying that tongue-in-cheek. After saying our body is a tent, this body is in our home. It's just a temporary dwelling place. Knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Now, here's what I saw this week. In the Greek language, this tense suggests a continuous action. The literal translation of this verse is, while we continue to be in this body, we continue to be absent from the Lord. We can't be in two locations at once. As long as we are here, we can't be there. I had a great illustration of that in my own life this week. The last minute, I had to make a quick trip to New York City for about 36 hours. And um, I went there. It was fine. I like New York City just fine. I had a nice hotel room, not a luxurious hotel room, but it was a nice room. It was adequate for my needs. I had a jam-packed schedule, assignments that I had to fulfill from four in the morning until midnight. I was busy. I met people for the first time that I didn't know. I met a lot of friends I already had. But the whole time I was there, I couldn't wait to get back home. And the reason is, New York City is not my home. It's a temporary place for me, but it's not my home. My home is in Dallas. But as long as I continued to be up there, I continued not to be here at my real home. Now, that's what Paul is saying for a Christian. We think this world is our home. It's not. It's not. It is a temporary location. Yes, we have people we like and we love here. Yes, God has given us an assignment here on earth that's very important, but it's temporary. This is a temporary location. And as long as we continue to be here, 
We continue not to be at home with the Lord. That's what he's saying. But look at what he says in verse 8. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. The tense this is in suggests a forever completed action in the past. What he is saying is, I prefer to be once for all absent from the body so that I can be once for all at home with the Lord. And that's what happens to us when we die. The moment we leave this body, we are forever at home with the Lord. That's what happens to a Christian when he dies. Now, you may wonder, well, what part of us goes home to be with the Lord? No, it's certainly not our physical body. Aren't you glad we don't drag this body we have with us into all eternity? It's not this body. It gets buried, gets cremated. Something happens to it. What part of us goes into heaven? Many people say, well, it is our spirit, the real essence of us, the real who we are that goes into the presence of God. And certainly that's true, but maybe there's something more that goes into heaven as well. Let me explain what I mean by that. There are some people who believe that even though there is a future resurrection body we're going to get at the rapture that is free forever from sin and suffering, maybe we receive a temporary body the moment we die and go to heaven. And the reason for that is this. God created us as body, soul, and spirit. Do you realize there has never been a time that you existed without a body? You say, well, what about before I was born? Well, before you were born, you didn't exist at all. You weren't some spirit up in heaven just waiting for a body uh, to be conceived and created for you. We didn't exist before we were born. We begin to exist at conception, the moment we were born. And the moment we are conceived, we don't just have a spirit. We have a tiny body, that embryo. There is a tiny body that begins to grow and grow and grow. So you had a body from the moment you began to exist. We also know that in all eternity, we're going to have a body. We're not just disembodied spirits. We have a brand new body just like Jesus had after the resurrection. So if we know we had a body at the very beginning, we know for all eternity, we're going to have a physical body. Doesn't it make sense that in that in-between time, we might have a physical body as well? What happens to us when we die? We know our spirit goes to be with the Lord awaiting that final resurrection body that will occur at the rapture. 1 Thessalonians 4 says, At that day the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Who are the dead in Christ? There are Christians who have already died. Their spirit is in heaven. Their bodies are in the ground. But at the rapture, their bodies are going to be raised. And then that generation of believers who are alive at that time will also be caught up. And together, they will meet the Lord in the air. The Lord will descend. You and I who are in heaven with God will descend. And 1 Corinthians 15 says, at that moment, verse 52, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, the dead will be raised imperishable and we will all be changed. At the rapture, we're going to receive that new body. We're going to receive that brand new body that is forever free from suffering and death. But some people say maybe until that time, we receive a temporary body until the rapture of the church. Now, 
The Bible is really silent about that. That is just conjecture. But what we do know with absolute certainty is when a Christian dies, he is immediately ushered into the presence of Jesus. To be absent from the body is to be at home with the Lord. Now, some people may say, well, what about those who died before Jesus? What happened to the Old Testament saints? What happened to Abraham and David and Jeremiah? Where are those people right now? Where did they go when they died? It's an interesting question. First of all, were they even saved? I mean, they lived before Jesus, before Jesus offered his sacrifice. How were the Old Testament saints saved? There's a very simple answer to that. People in the Old Testament were saved just like you and I are saved. They were saved by the death of Jesus on the cross for their sins. You say, well, wait a minute. They lived before Jesus. How could Jesus' death save them if they lived before Jesus? Have you ever wondered about that? Well, it's easy. They were saved on credit. Now, you understand the concept of credit. Maybe some of you all too well, you understand the concept of credit. You know, it's an amazing thing when you think about it. You can go to Home Depot or you can go to Sears and you can buy a washing machine. And the funny thing is, you don't have to pay a dollar for it. All you have to do is take out this little worthless piece of plastic, hand it to the clerk, and guess what? You can walk out with that washing machine without paying one dollar. It's yours for free until the bill comes due 30 days later. Then it has to be paid for, doesn't it? Now, it was the same way with the Old Testament saints. They didn't have any plastic credit cards, but what they did have was faith. Genesis 15, 6 says, Abraham believed in the Lord and God reckoned, literally accounted it to him as righteousness. Abraham, as well as all the Old Testament saints, believed whatever God revealed to them. And the bill for their sins, just like the bill for our sins, came due, well, not 30 days later, 2,000 years later. It came due on Mount Calvary. And Jesus paid that debt for all of us. So here's the question on the table today. Do Christians immediately go to heaven when they die? Please keep listening tomorrow because I don't know of anything that brings more encouragement than understanding the place God is preparing for those who love Him. And I don't know about you, but in my household and among my children and grandchildren, the last couple of years have been very unnerving. We're dealing with the aftermath of a global pandemic along with the political upheaval it spawned. Well, in light of these times, I decided to write a brand new book for you and your family that's intentionally designed to fill your minds with hopeful thoughts about your future. Not Pollyannish thoughts, not wishful thinking. I'm talking about filling your heart and your soul with the truth, God's truth, about your eternal home. My brand new book is called Encouragement from a Place Called Heaven. With inspiring Bible verses, breathtaking photos, and words of biblical wisdom, you'll discover that your perspective on everyday problems is completely transformed. When you give a generous gift to support the growing ministry of Pathway to Victory, I'll be pleased to send you a copy today. In closing, 
I'm pleased to let you know that Pathway to Victory has stepped out in faith by broadcasting our message in the nation of Israel. The door of opportunity opened, and we didn't hesitate to seize the moment. So, would you join us in financially supporting this new outreach to Israel, Russia, and Ukraine? The needs are great, and I can assure you that the Israeli people need the hope of heaven, just as you and I do. Your gift to Pathway to Victory right now will make all the difference. David? Thanks, Dr. Jeffers. When you support the ministry of Pathway to Victory by giving a generous gift, you're invited to request a copy of the brand new gift book from Dr. Jeffers, Encouragement from a Place Called Heaven. Ask for your copy when you call 866-999-2965 or, even easier, visit online at ptv.org. Now, when you give $75 or more, you'll also receive both the CD and DVD teaching sets for A Place Called Heaven. Plus, we'll also include a copy of the original best-selling book by Dr. Jeffress titled A Place Called Heaven. Request the complete package of Heaven resources when you call 866-999-2965 or visit ptv.org. You could write to us if you'd like. Here's that address, P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. Again, that's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins. Join us again next time when Dr. Jeffress continues to answer the question, do Christians immediately go to heaven when they die? That's Thursday, here on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas. Join Dr. Robert Jeffress on an unforgettable trip to Israel. You've read about places like the Mount of Olives and the Plain of Megiddo. Isn't it time to see these remarkable sites for yourself? Join us on the Pathway to Victory Bible Prophecy Tour of Israel and sign up before September 30th to receive an early bird discount. To learn more, go to ptv.org.